From the hallowed hallways of Shed High School, from WSHDLP Eastport, this is Round the World with your host, Cracklin' Jane from Eastport, Maine. Stay tuned for historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world. And it's time to rise and shine with the Round the World Breakfast Club and Dream Interpretation Service, broadcasting from the reed-thatched outbuilding kitchen of the Round the World Castle. Roy the Cook has his giant cauldron of oatmeal bubbling merrily over an open fire, and we're going to help you shake off your night's slumbers, or for that matter, your afternoon nap, and also comment on a few listener letters. But before we roust everyone out of their cozy nests, let's hear from the contingent that does not want to be snatched from the arms of Morpheus, starting with Martha Tilton, aided by Benny Goodman and his 1938 orchestra, Don't Wake My Heart. Welcome back to the Round the World Breakfast Club and Dream Interpretation Service. We just heard from someone who does not want to be wakened. Martha Tilton said, Don't wake up my heart. 
from 1938, along with Benny Goodman and his orchestra. In a few minutes, we'll be waking everyone up for a delicious bowl of Roy's delectable oatmeal. But first, we hear from those who would continue sleeping just a few minutes more. To wit, Adele Clark in 1946. Shh! Don't wake the baby! Cause the baby's asleep, had a date, and got home late, so hush your mouth. Don't wake the baby. You're no good or you would get along and leave him be with me. Asleep, not a peep, peep, peep by you.
heard Adele Clark in 1946 warn, shh, don't wake the baby, after which Buddy Blue and the 1929 Clevelanders implored, if I'm dreaming, don't wake me too soon. And speaking of dreaming, here's a little something from the mailbag. Dear Cracklin' Jane, I had the weirdest dream last night. I was pulled over for speeding. As the officer started to write out a ticket, I happened to mention to him that I was planning on going on vacation to go fishing. As soon as I mentioned vacation, he tore up the ticketing, gave me a friendly warning, and let me go on my way. What do you think this means? Hang on, hey, hey Roy, what sayest thou about this letter? Well, I'd say the uh, police officer is a manifestation of your inner self, uh, telling you that if you don't stop driving yourself so hard, you will pay a penalty. Uh, as soon as you even think about vacation, your mind starts to heal from all the overwork. So try taking your nose off the grindstone once in a while. Thanks, Roy. And Irving Aronson and his 1926 commanders want to continue in their dream state. Here is Don't Wake Me Up.
Well, Irving Aronson and his commanders pleaded, don't wake me up in 1926, but now it's time to get the lead out. We just heard the Victor Military Band in 1916. Wake up, America! The Round the World Breakfast Club will not only wake you up, but interpret that dream you can still just remember. Let's check the mailbag once again. Dear Cracklin' Jane, I had a whole series of weird dreams last night. I kept dreaming that my brother came into my room in the middle of the night to check the window. I'd wake up a little bit, see there was nothing there, and, and say, oh, well, that must have been a dream. Then I'd fall asleep and dream the exact same thing and think, well, that, that proves it wasn't a dream. Then I'd wake up again. Well, I guess it was a dream after all. Then I'd dream it again and think, no, this is really happening. And this repeated about three times. How can I actually tell if I'm really awake and not dreaming? Uh, Roy here. Um, there are any number of things you can do to ascertain which side you're on. Uh, try pinching your nose. Uh, if you can still breathe, you're asleep. Also, studies have shown that tattoos look different in a dream. So, if you have any body art, hold it up and... See if it looks the same as usual. And if you're dreaming that you're listening to the radio right now, it's time to wake up, chillin', wake up. Here's Jack Purvis with Smith Ballou and his orchestra. Wake up, chillin', wake up, chillin', wake up, it's morning, open your eyes, get up now, get up now. Wake up, children, wake up, wake up. Love song of nature caressing your ear. Daddy, the springtime is hovering near. Spirit of brightness bring good cheer. Wake up, children, wake up, wake up. Each golden hour treated like a treasure rare. Long risen power, now the time to get your share. All the river is singing and I'm singing too. Dream clouds are drifting away in the blue. Voice of the morning is calling to you. Wake up, children, wake up. Wake up. <laughs> 
everybody's happy. Good morning. Wake up, children, wake up. Can't you see the little sunbeams are dancing and laughing with me? The leaves on the trees wave and hide and see. Seems like the whole world's a big jubilee. Wake up, children, wake up. Here's a love song of nature caressing your ears. We'll tell you the springtime is hovering near. The spirit of gladness is bringing good cheer. Wake up, children, wake up, wake up. Each golden hour Treat it like a treasure Love is in power Now's the time to get your share Can't you hear the little river Singing and I'm singing too The green clouds are drifting away in the blue The voice of the morning is calling to you Wake up, children, wake up Wake up in the morning it's burning daylight, put out the lamplight, here comes a newborn day. You gotta say goodbye to all your dreaming, the night has passed away. Children, wake up. You gotta wake up in the morning. Love, song, caress in your ear. To tell you the springtime is near. Gladness is bringing good cheer. Wake up, children, wake up. You gotta wake up in the morning. Each golden hour that you find when you wake. You gotta treat it like a treasure. Just treat it like a treasure. Love is in power in the moment you wake. You know that now's the time to get it. Be sure to get your share. The river is singing and I'm singing too. The green clouds are drifting away in the blue. The voice of the morning is calling to you. Won't you wake up, children? Wake up, wake up, won't you wake up? You've got to wake up in the morning, children. A double alarm of wake up, chillin', wake up. First we heard Jack Purvis with Smith Ballou and his orchestra. Then the revelers chimed in, both those from 1929. And it's time to get up and at them. Roll out of bed or eject yourself from the bark lounger Pound your chest and go line up for some grub. Beatrice Wayne says, wake up and sing. With the assistance of Gene Cardos and his orchestra in 1936. Be a bob white. Hunker up and win. 
about a half past three now that's not supposed to be so good for me still I wake up in the morning feeling fine I never bother with the coffee blend the blend all the famous doctors recommend still I wake up in the morning feeling fine it must be cause you kiss me good night every night Next day I rise, king size with my eyes a shine. Healthier than Hercules. He hasn't got one of those blankets with the wires inside. He likes his potatoes and he likes them fried. Still I wake up in the morning feeling fine. Feeling fine. Sent your mind. He can eat a lobster in the middle of the night. Finish up with waffles and still sleep tight Then I wake up in the morning feeling fine He closes every nightclub in the Broadway belt Still he's feeling better than he's ever felt Yes, I wake up every morning feeling fine It must be cause you kiss me goodnight every night Goodnight Next day I rise king size with my eyes a shine Superior to Superman He never rubs goose grease on his chin I open up the window and let the smog roll in Still I wake up in the morning Feeling fine Feeling fine Since you're mine That was Floyd Huddleston and the Tattlers 
with Gordon Jenkins and his suitcase six. They bestowed upon us the 1949, I wake up in the morning feeling fine. This was preceded by Beatrice Wayne with Gene Cardos and his 1936 orchestra, Wake Up and Sing. And you are listening to the Round the World Breakfast Club. Wake up, have a bowl of Roy's Gourmet Oatmeal right out of the cauldron. And tell us what you dreamt last night while you can still remember it. All right, who's next in the mailbag? Let's see here. Uh, Dear Cracklin' Jane, Last year I had stage 3 colon cancer, which I'm glad to report was successfully treated. Then I had the weirdest dream last night. I was standing on the shore and about to get into a small boat where a guy was going to row me someplace. Suddenly I was distracted by a nearby flower meadow. But instead of flowers, it had these neon-colored rubbery round pellets. I chowed down a few of them and got sick. But it meant that I didn't have to go in the boat anymore. The fellow that was supposed to bring me across was very disgruntled. I have a feeling this has something to do with my cancer treatment. Signed, Dodged a Bullet. It sounds like you almost took a trip across the River Styx over to the Land of the Dead. Uh, You'd normally have to be ferried across by a gentleman named Charon. Uh, This was a belief of the ancient Greeks. I I bet those neon-colored pellets represent the chemotherapy that most likely took the wind out of your sails uh, temporarily, but which have allowed you to stay here a few decades longer. Interesting interpretation, Roy. And uh, on that optimistic note, Paul Whiteman and his 1933 orchestra brings us Jack Fulton, who says, I wake up smiling. Ah. 
was Vincent Van Tyle with Don Voorhees and his orchestra, who gave us when the 1927 morning glories wake up in the morning, before which we heard, I wake up smiling, exclaimed by Jack Fulton with Paul Whiteman and his orchestra in 1933. Oh, and we hear next an interesting song written in 1864 by American composer and abolitionist Henry Clay Work. His family home was a stop on the Underground Railroad, helping enslaved people escape to Canada, for which his father was once imprisoned. During the American Civil War, Henry Clay Work was more popular than Stephen Foster. Here is Henry Clay Work's song, Wake Nicodemus, sung by Burl Ives in 1946. Nicodemus the slave was of African birth and was bought for a bag full of gold. He was reckoned as part of the salt of the earth, and he died long ago, very old. And his last sad request as they lay him to rest in the trunk of an old hollow tree. Wake me up was his charge, at the first break of day, wake me up for the great jubilee. There's a great time coming and it's not far off, been long, long, long on the way. So go and tell Elijah to hurry up home and meet us by the gum tree down in the swamp. For to waken Nicodemus today. Nicodemus was never the sport of the lash, though the bullets had oft crossed his path. There were none of his masters so bold or so rash as to face such a man in his wrath. But his great heart with kindness was filled to the brim. He obeyed who was born to command. And he longed for the morning, which then was so dim. Tis the morning which now is at hand. There's a great time coming and it's not far off Been long, long, long on the way So go and tell Elijah to hurry up home And meet us by the gum tree Down in the swamp For to waken Nicodemus today Neighborhood when she begins to fall. Kelly, Kelly, 
Officer Kelly, don't you think that it's time to wake up? Kelly, Kelly, there goes Sergeant O'Malley, and he gets there at 7 o'clock. It sure is fate that you're going to be late. And you know it roll call for you, they won't wait. So hurry, Kelly, Kelly. Officer Kelly, don't you think that it's time to wake up? And the chance you're taking, thieves and crooks give you a fright till your knees are shaking. Almost any hour at all, you'll hear somebody call and scream and yell and cry for help until they wake us all and yell and Kelly, Kelly, Officer Kelly, don't you think that it's time to wake up? Attention, I'll now call the roll call. Officer Hannigan, Brannigan, and Flanagan. McGuire, McGurk, and McGee. Speak up when you say here. Officer Burns, pay attention to me. O'Brien, O'Ryan, Kerrigan, Malone. Hennessy, Shaughnessy. You too, Officer Cohn. Kelly, Kelly, where the... Well, where's Kelly? Oh, just getting in, eh? And what's your excuse this morning? Come on, let us have it. <sighs> I wish you'd stop that yawning. Oh, your alarm clock didn't wake you. That's a bum excuse for a cop. From what I hear, that wife of yours was never known to stop calling Kelly. Kelly, Officer Kelly, don't you think that it's time to wake up? Kelly, Kelly, just mind what I tell you, that if you want to still be a cop, what good are you when you're out on your beat? A hug in the lamppost to sleep on your feet. So hear me, Kelly. Kelly, Officer Kelly, don't you think that it's time to wake up? Billy Murray in 1924. Officer Kelly, don't you think that it's time to wake up? Which is just what the Round the World Breakfast Club wants to ask you. Before that, we heard Henry Clay Works' 1864 song, Wake Nicodemus, sung by Burl Ives in 1946. Okay, we asked y'all to jot down your dreams as soon as you wake up and send in anything noteworthy to our mailbag, so our cook and part-time dream expert, Roy, here can provide a little commentary. Here's an interesting one. Dear Cracklin' Jane, Last night I woke up in the middle of the night and for the life of me could not get back to sleep. I tried thinking about old dreams I've had recently. I tried imagining that I was floating through my old elementary school. I tried breathing exercises and reading for a while, all to no avail. Then I really woke up. Basically, I had been dreaming that I had insomnia. Signed, not quite fully rested. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, we advise that next time you think you might have insomnia, uh, get up and look in the mirror. Uh, if you're not there, then you're, you're dreaming. And as long as you're dreaming, uh, take the opportunity to, to do stuff you can't normally do, like uh, float to the ceiling or uh, jump. Boing, boing, boing. Up to the moon. Thanks, Roy. And now for a double 1937 exhortation to wake up and live. 
starting with Cab Calloway and his orchestra. Shell. Hey, fella, find your place in the sun. Come 
out of the shell. Say, fella, just be a go-getting son of a gun. Wake up and live if lady luck is yawning. Up on your toes, a better day is dawning. Don't let up, get up and give. Give yourself a shake a little, wake up and live. It's time to wake up and live. So saith Edith Wright, backed up by Tommy Dorsey and his orchestra, and this echoed the sentiments of Cab Calloway and his orchestra, both from 1937. And if that didn't wake you up, let's see now, what can we try? Perhaps Red Merle and his Ozark Playboys can get you to snap to attention. Here is Wake Up, Babe. Cause I got friends and they've been peeping I don't know, but I've been told These tricks you're pulling are mighty old As sure as you're born, you wake some morning Find you're old and wrinkled You hear me screaming, stop your dreaming You're no Rip Van Winkle You better wake up, babe, and stop denying All these tricks that you've been trying This cutting up won't make the grade You better get wise and wake up, babe Better wait. 
wake up bed and stop that noise, stop fooling around with all the boys. Wake up, gal, and realize you gotta stop telling them no good lies. Wake up, bed and stop that sleeping, cause I got friends and they've been peeping. I don't know, but I've been told these tricks you're pulling are mighty old. As sure as you're born, you wake some morning, find you're old and wrinkled. You hear me screaming, stop your dreaming, you're no Rip Van Winkle. You better wake up, babe, and stop denying all these tricks that you've been trying. This cutting up won't make the grid. You better get wise and wake up, babe. Wake Up March by the 1929 Victor Symphonic Band. Music to promenade by as you don your best bib and tucker and gird your loins for the day. Before that, we heard Red Merle and his 1947 Ozark Playboys. Wake up, babe. Well, the Breakfast Club has marched to a close. For the past hour, we provided invigorating anthems of wakeitude. And if you're not out of bed by now, you missed out on a delicious bowl from Roy's Cauldron of Oatmeal, cooked over an open fire in the courtyard of the Round the World Castle. We'd also like to thank Roy for providing interpretations of the dreams sent in by you listeners. Some pretty interesting ones, I might add. Well, I better get started on these dishes. Uh, once you're dressed and vertical, visit us at cracklinjane.com. We pause now for station identification. You're listening to WSHDLP Eastport. And welcome, dear friends, to Hour 2 of Round the World with Cracklin' Jane. Speaking of dreams, here's a 1947 episode of the Jack Benny Show, in which Jack dreams he's on trial. So let's listen. forget my mother told me to thank you for inviting me to your dinner last Thursday. Well, you were very welcome. And by the way, kids, uh, all of you, I meant to tell you, you know, you almost didn't have that turkey for dinner. What do you mean, Jack? Well, somehow I didn't have the heart to kill it. As a matter of fact, it was the 
day before Thanksgiving, you know, the turkey was out in the yard and it was getting late. And... Look at her, Rochester. She's certainly a fine-looking turkey. <laughs> Gee, we've had her almost a week now. I know, she seems to know us. <laughs> well, it's got to be killed. Here, Rochester, here's a hatchet. Yep, we got to do it. Here's the hatchet, boss. <laughs> yes, sir, if it's got to be done, it's got to be done. Here's the hatchet, Rochester. No use wasting time. That's what we're out here for. Here's the hatchet, boss. I'll tell you what, Rochester. I'll toss a coin to see who does it. Heads, it's you. Here, I'll toss this quarter. Here goes. Where did it go? Where's the quarter? The turkey swallowed it. What? Bob, <laughs> with the hatchet, not with your bare hands. <laughs> I, I was just trying to stop her from swallowing it. Now, Rochester, let's not fool around anymore. Now, take the hatchet and chop the turkey's head off. But, boss, isn't there an easier way to do it? Why don't we kill it like Mr. Harris kills his turkeys? Oh, does Mr. Harris kill turkeys a special way? Yeah, he feeds them a quart of bourbon and lets them hiccup themselves to this. <laughs> you mean he gives a turkey a quart of bourbon? On Thanksgiving, Mr. Harris wants everybody to be happy. <laughs> well, that's... Silly. How can the turkey be happy? His body will soon be in the oven roasting. Yeah, but his head will be out in the yard smiling. <laughs> oh, fine. Well, we're not going to waste any bourbon on this turkey. <laughs> look, look, Rochester, we've stalled long enough. Now I'm going to the house, so uh, you kill it. But, boss, I, I hate to. Well, I'm not happy about it either, but it's got to be done. Now, go ahead. All this fuss over killing a turkey. But then, you do get kind of attached to them. I remember I brought her home Saturday. And every morning she laid an egg. <laughs> if she could give milk, too, I'd have let her live. <laughs> But then, what have I got to lose? At least this way I get food and a duster. <laughs> well, I'm sure going to miss her. She was kind of cute. I don't know, she'd all... Well, boss, it's all over. You mean? Yeah. Say, boss, I wonder what gobble, 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 gobble means. Why? Those were her last words. Well, don't worry about it, Rochester. It had to be done. I'm going into the den and lie down. I'm kind of tired, anyway. Well, it'll be good to lie down a while. See, I'm tired after all the work I've done. I hope the gang enjoys the Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. But it's not like it used to be. 
I remember when I was a kid back at Waukegan. My father and I used to go out in that big forest and shoot a turkey. Just think, that's where Chicago is now. <laughs> uh, I hated to make Rochester kill that turkey. It was my fault, too. I didn't want to do it. Yeah, I feel like I'm falling asleep. Maybe I better take my hat off. <laughs> I didn't want to kill that turkey. I didn't want to kill that turkey. I didn't want to kill that turkey. of the Gobblers of Los Angeles County versus Jack Benny. Wait a minute. What am I being tried for? You are charged with murder. Murder? <laughs> Wait a minute. This is a mistake. I didn't murder anybody. Who did I murder? You murdered my daughter. <laughs> but you're a turkey. And look, the jury, they're all turkeys, too. Everybody rise, please. His Honor, the judge. Judge? How can you be the judge? You're a turkey, aren't you? Well, what do you think I am with this worm in my mouth? An apple? <laughs> what? <laughs> but, Your Honor, if you're the judge, why aren't you on the bench? Why are you sitting over there? My wife went shopping, and it's my turn to sit on the nest. Oh. <laughs> Whoops! Congratulate me. I'm a father. <laughs> and now let's get on with the trial. <laughs> the prosecution will present its first witness. Will the first witness please take the stand? Your name? Tallulah Turkey. <laughs> you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Tell her to uncross her legs. She's influencing the jury. <laughs> Imagine her coming into court wearing those short feathers. Now, Mrs. Turkey, when was the last time you saw your daughter? When she went out with that man over there, and she lost her head completely. That's a corny gag. It ain't bad for a turkey. <laughs> Order in the court. <laughs> Order in the... Whoops, that's twins. <laughs> Won't Mama be surprised when she comes home? Will the next witness please take the nest? I mean the stand. <laughs> you are here as a character witness, sir. What is your name? My name is Fred Allen. Your occupation? I'm a comedian. That's a lie! <laughs> I object! Order in the court! Order in the court! Now, Mr. Allen... <laughs> How long have you known the defendant? Seventy-four years. Just a minute, Mr. Allen. You're not that old. When you know a man like Benny, you try to hurry up and die. Now, wait a minute. That will be all, Mr. Allen. Your testimony has... 
Whoops, that's three down and one to go. And now will the defendant please take the stand? Yes, and I'll say plenty. Your name? Jack Benny. Your occupation? Radio comedian. Your wage? 38. What? Oh, my age. Well, that's a personal matter. Now, isn't it true that on the afternoon of November the 26th, you did murder with drumstick of forethought, Miss Tilly Turkey? Yes. But since when is it a crime to kill a turkey? The prosecution will present its next witness. Yes, sir. Your name, please. He's not Kitzel. Now, Mr. Kitzel, in the course of your employment in a poultry market, isn't it true that you sold the defendant a turkey? Look, Mr. Benny is a very good friend of mine. I don't like to say anything that's going to hurt him. Well, how long have you been friends? Since before he murdered the turkey. <laughs> Mr. Kitzel, quiet. Now, about this turkey you sold the defendant, was she nice and plump? She was beautiful. Oh? Then she was very well-rounded. Oh, <laughs> Her pictures was banned in Boston. Now, Mr. Kessel, we want an identification of the deceased turkey. How much did she weigh? I think 29 pounds. You think she weighed 29 pounds, don't you know? Wait, I'll ask my assistant. Say, boy, they're not his assistants. That's my quartet. What's the matter with everybody? Are they crazy? Boy, yes. How much did Mr. Benny's turkey weigh? What kind of a trial is that? She was the turkey of 29 pounds. In the barnyard she made all around. Now there were 29 chickens as crazy as the dickens of the turkey of 29 pounds. She left 29 broken eggs. She had feathers all over her legs. And brother, I am not bluffing. You ought to see the stuffing in the turkey of 29 pounds. She was a gob, gob, gobbling baby. A new kind of bird from the West. She'll make wonderful gravy. If you're not careful, it's on your breast. She ate 29 bushels of corn. Since the 29 weeks she was born. She looks so lovely on your table with her legs like Betty Grable. She's the turkey of 29 pounds. Oh, gobble, gobble, the turkey of 29 pounds. Turkeys of the jury, you've heard the evidence. What is your verdict? We find the defendant, Jack Benny, guilty of murder. Don Wilson! <laughs> Let's get him, kid. Get away from me. Get away from me, do you hear? Stay away from me. Ah! Boss! Boss! Leave me alone. Take your claws out of my wrist. Boss, wake up! Wake up! It's me! Huh? Oh. Oh, it's you, Rochester. See what a dream I just had. Dreamed a bunch of turkeys were eating me. I could feel them. One of them kept biting me and biting me. Well, boss, you should never go to sleep with your teeth in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> Thank you.
ladies and gentlemen, it's tough enough when we grown-ups have problems. But when our children are the victims of circumstances we are responsible for, that's unforgivable. I'm referring to what is happening in our schools today. Thousands of underpaid teachers are being forced to leave their profession to enter better-paying fields. Now, we can, we can correct this situation by being active in the Parent Teachers Association, local school boards, and getting to know the individual teachers better. So let's support our teachers and take an active interest in their welfare. Thank you. Jack, we'll be back in just a minute. Well, kids, I'm glad you all enjoyed the Thanksgiving dinner, and, oh, darn it, I just remembered something. I forgot to invite Norman Krasner. I better call him up and apologize and ask him to dinner tonight. Norman Krasner's residence. I'd like to speak to Mr. Krasner, please. This is Jack Benny. I'm sorry, but Mr. Krasner's busy at the moment. Uh, could I give him a message? Yes, I'd like you to find out if he can go out to dinner with me tonight. Just a moment, I'll ask him. Hello? Hello, what did Mr. Krasner say? <laughs> good, good. Tell him 8 o'clock. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to WSHDLP Eastport. That was a 1947 episode of the Jack Benny Show, The Turkey Trial Dream. Now stay tuned for a 1943 episode of Lights Out with a super scary story called The Dream. Lights Out. Everybody. <laughs> supernatural and the supernormal, dramatizing the fantasies and the mysteries of the unknown. We tell you this frankly. So if you wish to avoid the excitement and tension of these imaginative plays, we urge you calmly but sincerely to turn off your radio now. This is Arch Obler. Dreams are part of all of our lives. And tonight we bring you the story of a woman's strange dream. But first, Frank Martin for just a moment. Frankly now, friends, is that you saying you're so thin and weak and frazzled out you can't do your work or enjoy your fun? Well, cheer up. Maybe all you need is more vitamin B and iron. And ironized yeast gives you vitamin B and iron. Yes, both vital substances in pleasant-to-take tablet form. 
They've helped thousands of people who, only because they needed more of these substances, were weary and worn out. Helped them so amazingly that today these folks tell how fine they feel, how thanks to good pounds gained, they look like a million, really enjoy life today. Yes, that's Ironized Yeast Tablets. Make a note of that name right now. And now, lights out. Everybody. Is it? Eight. Well, you, you haven't been asleep. No. Not at all? No. Oh, that's terrible. Claire, Claire, we've got to do something about it. What? Well, why don't you take some pills or something? No. But you've got to sleep. Claire, look here. Tell the truth. How long is it since you slept? Really slept? What's the difference? Tell me. Three nights. No. You asked me. I had no idea. I... I thought you slept, but didn't sleep soundly, but, but three nights. You'd better get up. It's late. Oh, never mind me. We've got to do something about this. You, Claire, Claire, what's wrong? Wrong? The reason. The reason you can't sleep there. Must be some sort of a reason. I just don't sleep. All right. That settles it. What? You're going to a doctor today. Yes, this morning. No. What do you mean, No. No wonder you've been looking so ill. Charles, I don't want it's to. It's settled. You're going to a doctor right away. Wait a minute. Look at me. You're not hiding anything from me. What is there to hide? I just can't sleep. Your heart action, lungs, everything quite normal. Of course, you're in rather a nervous state, but that's quite understandable. If, as you say, you haven't slept for that length of time. I haven't. Of course, I believe you. Please, won't you sit down? Thank you. What's troubling you, Mrs. Collins? Troubling? Yes. Nothing at all. If you're quite true, I think I'm going home. I have to... No, please, sit down. I'm warning you, Mrs. Collins, to go without sleep for as protracted a period of time as you have is most dangerous, physically and mentally. For your own sake, you must let me help you. What can I... Do. Have confidence in me. Now, your husband tells me you refuse to take any sort of soporific. Sleeping powder. Is that true? Yes. Follows then that you don't want to fall asleep. Is that true? Well, Mrs. Collins, I said it before and I say it again in complete sincerity. For your own sake, you must answer me. It's true, isn't it, that you don't want to fall asleep? Yes. Why? I don't dare. Why? Because I'll dream. And you don't want to dream? No. Why not? All right, then. Tell me this. How often have you had this dream? Two times. I see. What is this recurring dream about, Mrs. Collins? I can't tell you. Why not? I just can't. My dear woman, don't you realize I'm not just prying for the sake of simply prying? I'm trying to help you. And the way to help you is for you to help yourself by bringing this thing out into the open. You've got to tell me about it. A dream generally has a basis in reality. If we talk about it, perhaps we can find the underlying cause of the dream and so eliminate it. Don't hesitate to tell me. You know I'm a physician. 
Everything you tell me is in confidence. Supposing we start. You go to sleep, close your eyes, you dream. What do you dream? I dream. I dream. No, I can't tell you. Mrs. Collins, where are you? Well, I'll be... Would you hang a towel on the doorknob? Yes. You gotta get out now. <laughs> yeah, I hope they don't ration hot water in this part of the country. Uh, there. I have to miss my good night tub. My morale will go lower than, than Hitler's conscience. Towel's on the knob. Hmm? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Thanks, dear. I found one on the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Nothing like a tub to make a man sleep. <laughs> Claire. Oh, yeah. Where's that rope? We're going to find out. Oh, Claire. Claire, uh, the doctor. What, Charles? The doctor. I was so busy all day, and then you didn't... Uh, well, well, what happened? What did he say? He said I was all right. But, well, was that all? Didn't he say what was the cause? No. Well, what in the... He didn't seem to know. It, it, it's crazy. I mean, when I, when I got to the office, your sleeplessness was all I could think of. And then C.L. started to have one of his desk-banging fits, and then New York started in on the teletype, and I... Well, I forgot all about it. He, uh... The doctor, he did prescribe something for you, didn't he? Yes. Oh, of course. Pills are what you need. You just got yourself into an insomnia state of mind, but once sleeping pills breaks you of it, why, you'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> I guess I'm tired. Uh, yeah. What do you say we, we turn out the light and both of us go to sleep, huh? All right. Wait a minute. You taking whatever the doctor gave you? Yes. Fine. Well, off of the light, huh? You will be all right, isn't it? I'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> sure you will. Pills will start to work in a few minutes. Are we all right? Sleep. Wonderful thing, Steve. Wonderful thing. Sleep. Wonderful sleep. He's right. Wonderful. No, mustn't think about that. Mustn't think about anything but staying awake. Wonderful. No, isn't wonderful. Horrible. Horrible sleep. I won't sleep. I'm so tired. If I could close my eyes. Just a minute. Just a second. I wouldn't sleep. Rest. Just rest. No. I'd fall asleep and then... Got to stay awake. Got to stay awake. Just close my eyes. Could sleep. Won't. Sleep. Won't. Sleep. Won't. Sleep. Won't. <gasps> Dream. I am asleep. Dreaming. Walking. 
Where am I walking? Street. So long. Empty. Where am I walking? Running. Why should I run? Where am I running? I've got to stop running. Walk. But I can't stop. I can't. House. What is this house? No. I won't go up there. I won't. I won't. But I... I am. I won't. I won't. But I... I am. Going in. Who's in here? Hello, Claire. <gasps> Where's my father? You again. Where's my father? You again. Where's my father? The same dream. Where's my father? Don't say that. Where's my father? Stop saying that. Where's my father? No. Where's Stop my father? Saying that. Where's Close my your father? mouth. Stop Where's saying that. Stop. All right, I'll Where's make you father? stop. Drink this. <laughs> Drink. Just like the other time. Drink. Drink. me down. Don't swing me around. I can't stand it. I'm getting dizzy. Around and round and round. Faster, faster, faster. Don't let me go. Don't let me go. Don't let me go. Don't let me go. Why am I screaming? Just a dream. I'll stop screaming. Dark. Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Someone following me. Something. No! I know what it is. I know. They won't get me. Never get me. Run, run, run. Never catch me. Never, never. No. Can't go any farther. End of tunnel. River. And go. It's so dark. And it's still coming for me. No, you won't get me. <laughs> won't get me. Swim. I can swim. Swim in the dark. Away from. <gasps> what am I swimming in? Can't see what. Oh. In all. No. I remember now. It's a dream. Oh, this is just a dream. Just a dream. Just a dream. You can wake up out of a dream. I will wake up. I've got to wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Claire, stop screaming. Claire, wake up. Wake up. You're having a nightmare. Claire, you're having a nightmare. Wake up. Ladies and gentlemen, just to reassure ourselves that we're not dreaming, supposing we take time out from the story of the dream and leave Claire and Charles long enough to slow down our galloping bloodstream and 
While we're doing that, listen to some young ladies discussing a problem that is most important to them in these times. Of course you're lonesome. You mope at home all the time. Why, I'll bet you haven't seen the gang in months. Oh, but nobody wants to see me anymore. And I'm so thin and tired and all that, I just don't care. Oh, if I could only feel good once again. Maybe you can, and quickly, too. Maybe you're one of the thousands today who suffer simply from vitamin B and iron shortage. If you are, why don't you try ironized yeast tablets? They give you both these vital substances, and believe you me, they are vital. You see, when you don't get enough vitamin B from your food, you may lose your appetite, not eat all you need. Why, even what you do eat may not do you the good it should. So, naturally, you lose weight, lose your pep, feel frazzled out. And when you don't get enough iron from your food, you may be weak and pale. You may feel only half alive. And you say ionized yeast tablets supply both vitamin B and iron? Yes, and they're a cinch to take. Just pleasant little tablets. Yet it's these pleasant little ionized yeast tablets that have been of such amazing benefit to thousands who only needed more vitamin B and iron. Today, these thousands tell how quickly ionized yeast helped them gain glorious new strength and pep, new pounds new popularity. So, try ironized yeast tablets if more vitamin B and iron is what you need. Then see if soon you aren't saying... Oh, I feel wonderful. I've gained pounds. That weary, washed-out feeling is gone, and now I'm really enjoying life. Oh, how I wish I'd tried ironized yeast tablets ages ago. And now back to Lights Out. It's the following morning. The husband and the doctor stand outside the bedroom door discussing... The dream. Acting this way isn't going to help her, Mr. Collins. I'll grant you that it's serious not sleeping for six days, but I'm positive she'll be sensible now and tell me what it's all about. But the way she lies there, Doctor, her, her eyes... I told you, stop thinking about it. You ask me to help her, and I'll help her. Now go make yourself some coffee while I go in and talk to her. But I... All right, Doctor. And stop worrying. Morning, Mrs. Collins. Mind if I talk to you? I understand you had a bad time of it. Well, I can understand you don't feel much like talking. Suppose I pull up a chair. Sit down. Do the talking myself. What do you want? Something very simple. The truth. Truth? Yes, if not for your sake, for your husband's. What do you mean? I want to find out the source of your dreams. If you don't tell me, the consequences may be disastrous. The human organism simply can't endure without the proper rest. Mrs. Collins, I beg of you. Tell me. You must. I... I... Yes? I must sleep. Of course. If I tell you, you swear you won't tell him? You have my word as a physician. I... I've been married to Charles for two years. Yes? I was never married before, but I'm his second wife. I know. He had a child by that first wife. I... I didn't like that child. He was always a reminder that Charles loved someone before me. I didn't like that. Well, go on, Mrs. Cullen. Now, now, Mrs. Collins, please. Go on and tell me. No, no, you shouldn't do that. Mrs. Collins, there's only one answer to this. You must take a sedative and get some rest. A few hours of sound sleep and everything will straighten itself out. I'm sure of that. Now, you will take a sedative, won't you? Yes. 
I will. Fine. You'd better take some right now while I'm here. Water. Here you are. Drink this. Come now, drink. Leave it. I will. Promise? Yes. Here's the sedative. Take two now, and if that doesn't do it, take two more in, say, half an hour. I'll leave you more than enough. All right. Now, you will take it. Yes. It's the only sensible thing to do. I'll drop in and see you this afternoon. I know that after you've slept, you'll feel more like talking. Yes. Well, sleep well. Goodbye. Goodbye. Sleep well. Sleep well. Sedative. Yes. Sleep well. Must sleep, must. But if I sleep... <laughs> I've got to sleep. Got to. Don't care what happens. Got to sleep. Water. Where? He left the glass. Yes. Pills. How many? I don't know. I don't know. Put them in. Drink. Drink it all. We'll sleep. We'll sleep. What is Doesn't work. No. Doctor said I will sleep. Close my eyes. Don't care. Will sleep. Will sleep. Will sleep. Dream. I'm asleep. Dreaming again. Walking. Where am I walking? Street. So long. Empty. Where am I walking? Running. Why should I run? Where am I running? I've got to stop running and walk. But I can't stop. I can't. House. What is this house? No. I won't go up there. I won't. I won't. Not again. But I... I am. I... I don't want to. But I am. I won't. I won't go in. But I... I am. Going in. Who's in here? Hello, Claire. <gasps> Where's my father? You again. Where's my father? You again. Where's my father? The same dream. Where's my father? Don't say that. Where's my father? Stop saying that. Where's my father? No, Where's stop saying father? that. Close Where's your mouth. Stop Where's saying that. Where's stop. my father? All right, I'll make you stop. Drink this. I'll drink. Just like the other time. Drink. Drink. That stopped you. Didn't it? Didn't it? <gasps> dead. Jimmy, you're dead. I did kill you. That's the way it was. I did kill you. There. I said it. I did kill you. I had to. Every time I looked at you, it was the infernal first wife of his I saw. You understand? I had to kill you. Go on. Jimmy... Gone. That never happened before. Never happened before in my dream. Dream. Just a dream. Why do I run? It's just a dream. Wait. Where are you going? 
No. Don't touch me. Put me down. Don't swing me around. I can't stand it. I'm getting dizzy. Around and around and around. Faster, faster, faster. Don't let me go. Don't let me go. Don't let me go. Don't let me go. Why am I screaming? It's just a dream. I'll stop screaming. So dark. Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Oh, no. Someone following me. Something. No. After me again, again. It won't get me. Never get me. Run, run, run. Never catch me. Never. Can't go any farther. End of tunnel. River. Can't go. So dark. And it's still coming for me. No, you won't get me. Don't get me. Swim. I can swim. Swim in the dark. Away from. What am I swimming in? Can't see what. Oh. Swimming in. Oh, no. I remember now. It's a dream. All this is just a dream. Just a dream. Just a dream. You can wake up out of a dream. I will wake up. Why can't I wake up? It's just a dream. A dream. Always at this moment I've been able to wake up. Coming through the water after me. I've got to wake up. I've got to wake up. I, I can't swim in this. I can't. I've got to wake up. Why can't I wake up? Dream, just a dream. Always woke up before. Why can't I wake up out of this dream? What if I could never wake up out of this dream? The pills, the doctor's pills. I took all of them. He said only two, but I remember. I didn't think I, I took all of them. I'm not dreaming. I'll never wake up out of this dream. I'm dead. Ah, Mr. Obler, trapped in a dream, huh? Why not? You know, Frank, there are some people that say that for all we know, all of us are in a dream. <laughs> did you ever see a dream walking? Well, I did. Oh, seriously. <laughs> Doesn't everything exist only through your senses? What you see exists, what you hear exists, what you smell exists. But the existence of things in a dream is just as real. Is it possible that right at this moment you're dreaming? Well, time out till I pinch myself. Oh. No, I'm awake enough to want to know what's happening next week. Well, next week. It's a really exciting story. But supposing you tell me first, Frank, what you've got to say, and I'll follow you. Well, I'll just take a moment for another very important point about ironized yeast. Folks, if vitamin B and iron shortage is what's keeping you miserably thin and weak and jittery, for your own sake, get... Ironized yeast tablets right away. They cost but a few pennies a day, and you don't risk even those few pennies. For ironized yeast is sold on a money-back basis. That's right. If you don't quickly begin to eat and sleep better, to gain new pounds to feel much stronger and peppier, the cost of the first bottle will be refunded to you in full 
by Ironized Yeast, Box IY, Rawway, New Jersey. But remember, there's only one Ironized Yeast. You'll know it by the big letters IY on the package and on each tablet. Now, what were you saying about next week's story, Mr. Obler? Well, before I tell you that, uh, there's something of vital importance to you and me I'd like to talk about. I mean, to all of you out there. It's inflation. Yes, that's a terror as much as a nightmare. The fight against inflation involves every man, woman, and child. This is a front on which, in the words of President Roosevelt, everyone in the United States will be privileged to remain in action throughout the war. Now, what causes the present danger of inflation? Our factories are working at top speed, but they're turning out equipment needed to win the war. Not goods for you. More to spend, less to buy. This is the danger point. This can be the beginning of disastrous inflation if we start bidding against each other for the limited amount of goods on hand. If each of us tries to get a hold of everything he can, we force prices up. Savings, insurance policies are wiped out. Now, our government has taken steps to control the rising cost of living, and you, well, you ought to know about those details. These include provisions for keeping prices stable and for distributing goods fairly through rationing. As part of the same anti-inflation program, wages and farm prices have been stabilized and excess profits are being taxed. We can beat inflation if all of us understand these measures are our protection to ourselves, and work to make them effective. We shall lose out to inflation if each group and individual acts on the principle of, he got something, I'm going to get something too. Now, beating inflation means buying only what we need, putting aside for the future every other extra dollar. And now about next week's play. It's a story about a man who did exactly this. He took out a match, he lit it. And he looked into the flame, and as he did so, he thought to himself, Why, that little dancing thing in the flame is alive. For life, he knew, was anything that moved by itself and fed another matter. And that definition certainly applied to the flame. So he lit another match, and then... But that's next week. Yes, tune in next Tuesday again for Arch Obler's eerie story, The Flame. And if you need more vitamin B and iron, be sure to try Ironized Yeast. The one and only Ironized Yeast. With the big letters IY on the package and on each tablet. It is later than you think. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. We've just heard a 1943 episode of Lights Out, entitled The Dream. And we remind you that WSHDLP Eastport is a non-commercial station and does not endorse any products. And now, another 1940 episode of the radio version of Superman. Presenting Superman. Up in the sky, look, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. And now, Superman. Amazing figure from another world with powers and abilities never before realized by mortal men. When we last saw Superman in his disguise as young Clark Kent, reporter for the Daily Planet, he and his editor, Perry White, had just received a warning telephone message from a mysterious voice, which identified itself as the Yellow Mask. In exactly 24 hours, said the mask, the Daily Planet would be blown to a thousand fragments. Horror-stricken, Kent and his chief stared at each other in the humming office. Then pandemonium. Sirens wailed in the streets. Police searched the building for bombs. Today, as our story opens, we find ourselves far from the doomed offices of the Daily Planet. 
Dr. Sven Dahlgren shows an unexpected visitor about his laboratory, explaining its wonders, and also explaining his latest invention. Listen. Please, please do not touch that window frame. So? It is not clean, perhaps. It looks clean. Oh, yes, quite clean, but it is wired. It carries a powerful electric charge. Most interesting. Are you also experimenting in electricity, Dr. Dahlgren? You have come to see my latest discovery, have you not, Professor Schmidt? Indeed. And so have others. You are not the first. Others would not only like to see it, but gain possession of it. No, I cannot believe it. Oh, it's quite true, I assure you. For weeks past, ever since word got out of what I was doing, I've... I've been annoyed, even threatened. Threatened, Dr. Dahlgren? By whom? I don't know. Queer voices over the telephone, mysterious visitors in the dead of night. Yes, that is why I had the laboratory wired. But what do they want? They want my invention. They realize that whoever owns it controls a practically unlimited power. Unlimited power? Is that true? Certainly, Professor Schmidt. Unlimited power for destruction. Which is why I'm determined to keep the discovery a closely guarded secret. In the world today, my friend, there is destruction enough. Men are at one another's throats like dogs gone mad. No, I will never be a party to war and bloodshed. Ah, but come, I, I waste time. Into this room. Professor, uh, don't brush against the metalwork. There it is, on the table, Professor. That is the machine. So small. My latest development. Small, light, compact, but deadly. Uh, now then, please stand exactly where you are. Watch closely what happens to that glass on the edge of the table. Watch. It's... it's amazing. The glass was shattered. Now, watch that small steel ball. Why, why it's gone. Vanished. Blown into atomic dust. Then it's true. I didn't believe, but it's true. Certainly it's true. Based on the power of atomic force. Everything in the universe has a certain vibration point, Professor Schmidt. My machine focuses a beam of vibrating infragamma rays wherever I choose to direct it. And then? Any object in the path of the beam begins to vibrate. At a certain point, depending on the object, atomic force is overcome, and the object simply disappears, explodes, if you like, into nothing. Doctor, you say any object? Any object whatsoever, at distances up to a mile. Unbelievable, my dear doctor. Let me be the first to congratulate you. Thank you, thank you. You have done me a great service, doctor. You have placed in my hands an instrument of destruction that will at last give me what I have been seeking. Absolute control of the world and every living thing in it. What? What do you mean? You have been horribly misled, Dr. Dahlgren. I am not Professor Schmidt of Hawthorne University. Mere men who work under me know me by quite another name. I am destined to become supreme ruler of the universe, and with this deadly machine... Get out of my laboratory! Get out before I... You won't do anything, Doctor. Not if you value your life. This gun I hold in my hand is fully loaded. Take care. You're mad, utterly mad. How far do you think you'll get with that machine? The police will... Beyond the reach of the police, I assure you. I have laid my plans with great care, Doctor. First, I shall destroy the building which houses one of your great newspapers, because a reporter on that paper foiled my plans in the West and succeeded in jailing two of my men. When that is done, I will go about the task of creating for myself the position I rightfully deserve. Emperor of the world, 
And now I must go. Put that machine down. Put it down, I tell you. Michael, stop him. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. No living thing can stop me now. Goodbye, Doctor. Don't let him get away. Michael. Doctor, what's happened? Oh, catch him, Michael. Catch him. Doctor, what's the matter? You're pale. He got away with the atomic beam, Michael. Do you know what this means? That lunatic, he has in his hands the power of life and death. He is a walking symbol of death. Where is Clark Kent? The minute he gets back, send him in. Here I am, Mr. White. Oh, Kent, Kent, where have you been? Down in the cellar helping the police. Turn up anything? Any sign of a bomb? Not a thing, Mr. White. We combed the building from top to bottom. Anything turn up here? Not so far. What's the time? It's four o'clock. If that fellow really meant business, we've only got about two hours to go. Call in your office, Mr. White. Oh, thanks, Lois. Oh, by the way, Kent, I don't think you know Miss Lane. Lois, this is Clark Kent. Oh, how do you do? Uh, you wait here till I get back, Kent. I won't be a minute. Well, the boy wonder, huh? Why, Miss Lane, what do you mean? They tell me you talked yourself into a job, went out west, and came back with the biggest story of the month. All in less than a week. Well, I, I guess I was pretty lucky. <laughs> I'll say you were lucky. Now you're the white-haired boy, eh? I'm afraid I don't quite understand. You got the old man hypnotized. He thinks you're Horace Greeley. I'm afraid I don't... Oh, don't act so dumb. All this nonsense about a time bomb in the cellar. What's the big idea? Miss Lane, I only wish I knew. You mean to tell me you didn't make it up out of your head? I certainly did not. I don't believe it. Well, now what's the matter? Listen. Don't you hear something? I hear the presses in the basement. No, no, outside. Pardon me a minute. Come to the window. Now, don't you hear anything? What do you think you hear? A plane. There's a plane out there flying low. Well, I'll be... Now, look, Mr. Kent, this is a big town. You'll find quite a few planes flying around here all day and all night. If it bothers you, you better go back to the farm. No, no, really, I, I Yes, mean it. really, I mean it, too. Tell the old man about your big discovery. Here he comes now. Well? Well, anything new? Yes, you're a star reporter. Heard a plane. It was flying pretty low, Mr. White. Well, what of it? Oh, I got a job for you, Lois. Yeah, a good job? No. Go out and interview a scientist. Human interest stuff. Who is he and where? Dr. Sven Dahlgren. Got his own laboratory out on Haven Avenue. Look the number up in the book. Who is he, Mr. White? What's on his mind? Leading American investigator in the field of atomic energy. Must we cheat? Yeah, come on. Get going, Lois. Get going. This paper's always been tied in with science. We've been after Dahlgren for a long time, and now he comes to us. Why? Well, he said somebody stole a new machine he invented. I couldn't make much sense out of it, but he seemed pretty worried. Wanted me to rush a story into print. Well, what's the matter with the police? I suggested that, but he said he needed more than the police. Sounds cracked, but it may make a yarn. On your way, Garley. Oh, all right, if you say so, Mr. White. I'll get right out there. So long, Mr. Star Reporter. You come with me, Kent, into the office. I can't stand much more of this. I know, Mr. White. It's nerve-wracking, this yellow mask business. Uh, worse than that. I don't know whether to believe it or not. If we could only get a lead... Ordinarily, I wouldn't give it a second thought. Just another crank. But I don't know, Kent. I swear I don't know. What's the time now? Uh, five after four. Don't keep thinking about the time, Mr. White. Confound it. What else can I think of? Two hours more, and we may get blown to glory. What do you think? About the yellow mask? Can he do what he says? Well, let's hope he can't, Mr. White. Uh, but you're afraid he can. And the devil of it is, so am I. Now, if it hadn't been for that business out west... Well, maybe you ought to empty the building. No, no. You want us to be the laughing stock of the city? Suppose nothing happens. On the other hand, suppose something does. Well, they can't intimidate me. 
If the yellow mask means business, he'll find us right here at 6 o'clock. City room, White. Mr. White, this is Dr. Dahlgren speaking. Yes, yes, Dr. Dahlgren. One of our best people is on the way to your laboratory right this minute. No, 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 that is not why I call. I wanted to tell you... Yes, yes? The man who stole my atomic beam machine mentioned a newspaper. He said... He said... Yes, what did he say? Something about destroying a newspaper. What's that again? Listen, doctor, doctor. Hello, hello. Hello, Dahlgren. Hello, hello. Yes, Mr. White. I was cut off. Get me Dr. Dahlgren at his laboratory, quick. Sorry, Mr. White. I'll call you. We were cut off. No, he was cut off. I'm sure of it. You heard all that? Mr. White, that scientist, what was he working on? Oh, I don't know. Some kind of a gadget to release atomic force. A machine? I imagine so. Why? Don't you see, Mr. White? There's our lead. The man who broke in and robbed him was the yellow mask. Kent, I think you're right. Dahlgren just said the burglar mentioned destroying a newspaper. Then I must be right. Now, look here. We've searched the building and haven't found a thing. No packages, no wires. If the Daily Planet is going to be blown up... It's got to be done outside. Maybe up above. That airplane. Airplane? It was flying too low for a transport. Mr. White, that plane was spying out the lay of the land. And at six o'clock with Dr. Dahlgren's machine, they'll come back again and... Hello, Dahlgren? I'm sorry, Mr. White. Dr. Dahlgren's telephone is out of order. Kent, do you hear that? Dahlgren's line is dead. Cut. That settles it, Chief. I'll be seeing you later. Kent, Kent, where are you going? After Miss Lane. Something's wrong at Dahlgren's. If it's the mask... Well, there's not much time to stop him. So long. Hey, kid, what's your hurry? Yeah, got another front page scoop, Ken? Oh, thank heaven. The locker room's empty. Quickly now. Out of these clothes. It's Superman's turn now. Oh, someone's coming. The window. Out. And up. Up. Not much time left. Got to find Miss Lane. Find out what's happened at Dahlgren's and stop the yellow mask. Higher we go. Higher and faster, faster, faster. Deadly peril hangs over the offices of the Daily Planet. Already the yellow mask is in possession of a mighty and terrible weapon. Time is growing short. But Superman is on the way. Powerful forms streaking through the night sky. Red cape whistling in the wind. Can he arrive in time? And what new unforeseen danger is already creeping in on the laboratory of Dr. Dahlgren, with Lois Lane about to enter, all unknowing? Tune in next time and follow the story. Remember, be with us again for the next startling transcribed installment of Superman. Up in the sky, look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in Action Comics magazine. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. That was a 1940 episode of the radio version of Superman. Thank you, dear friends. This concludes today's show. On behalf of around the world staff of researchers, recording engineers, interns, and Victrola technicians, this is Cracklin' Jane. Thank you, and see you next week. <laughs>